Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible studies. There's tons of times and options to choose from. Head to our website to register now at www.preceptministries.ca. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay updated on the many things God is doing through Precept Ministries. We want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth, a study on the book of 2 Thessalonians. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here and it's Unlocking the Truth podcast and this is uh, a ministry of Precept Ministries in Canada. So thankful for the opportunity to bring this out through the internet and into your homes or wherever you're listening to this. Uh, we are thankful for how God continues to use this technology to to uh, bring uh, this podcast to you each uh, and every week. And um, thank you for, for listening. Thank you for sending in all your uh, emails and encouragement uh, for us to, to press on and keep going. And so uh, looking forward to digging into 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 today. Uh, today and as we dig into it I just wanted to before I pray I want to give you a reminder of the fact that we walk through the overview and uh, as we walk through that overview we understood that there were a few major topics of discussion one was suffering and persecution the other was the day of the Lord and the third was idleness or uh, just the whole topic of work and, and that Paul was calling some of them busy bodies. So uh, looking forward to, as we walk through those, this week we'll focus on suffering. Uh, how exciting to look at suffering this week as we walk through. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for the truth that comes from your scriptures. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that uh, through his sacrifice on the cross that we uh, who have bowed our knee, who have come into submission to you, who have given our lives over so that you are Lord over our lives, have the opportunity to be called a child of God. Father, we know that uh, a child of God is a child who is obedient to, to you, who is living out the truth of your word who's bringing glory and honor to you in our lives, whatever that may be, whatever point that may be, whether it be in the good times or in the valleys that we may go through of our life, that, Father, uh, our uh, total desire is pursuit of you. So help us to see some truths this morning in your scripture. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here we go. Uh, a topic we all love to discuss, but all would love to avoid, right? None of us really want to face suffering. Nobody wants to take on suffering in any way, shape, or form because uh, it tends to hurt. So we'll walk through some of those principles uh, as we um, go, but uh, what we want to do is just lay the basis down is that uh, there is suffering in the world for the Christian faith. And so right now, uh, I don't know about you, but I feel that in um, Canada, in North America, it's starting to bubble to the surface, what we've talked about uh, in the last session, that the, the fiery furnace of uh, difficulty for Christians is beginning to crank up even more because of the agendas of the world. We don't even need to point out the different people groups and what they are. It's simply the agenda of the world that is starting to overtake and, and put a real pressing on the biblical foundation of truth. 
uh, just in speaking with uh, a friend last night that uh, just before recording this, uh, the, the point is that the church is archaic or the, the truths of God's word are archaic and that's old school stuff. And, and now that we're in 2020, that shouldn't apply to what is happening in the world today. Uh, everything evolves, and so therefore God should evolve, and the truth that comes from that evolves. And those who hold true and stand firm to the truth of the gospel and the truth of God's word, as they hold firm to that, they're going to face suffering. And, and, and that's what we want to look at with this church. This, this young church that if this letter of 2 Thessalonians was written four to six months after the uh, initial uh, letter from Paul, that means that what, whatever that length of time is, it could be within a two-year period. The very fact is that as this church is continuing to grow and love one another, uh, the suffering has increased. The furnace of the fire is turning up because of their obedience to Jesus. So verse 1 of chapter 1, we, we've seen this before, but we don't want to brush over these things as, oh, here we go. Here's another introduction from Paul. It's just the introduction of a letter, and therefore I'm not going to pay too much attention to it. I'm just going to focus from verses 3 down to verse 12. But in those first couple verses, there is actually a great impact that we can take from that. So he says in verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, first and foremost, just like the first letter, the church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It is built on the rock. Peter says that Jesus is the cornerstone. So it is built, this church is built on a solid foundation. And Paul reminds them that this church is built on God. Um, Jesus, when he was at Caesarea Philippi, he said, I will build my church and, and the gates of hell will not prevail. This church is built on, on Jesus Christ. It's built on the truth of the gospel. It, it should not be rocked in its foundation because of what it is built on. And so that's very important to know. And it's the same with us. If our faith is built on Jesus Christ. It's stand firm, hold fast, even in the midst of what we're about to face in suffering and persecution. Verse 2, he says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why would Paul, you know, he, he says that in the first chapter, uh, in the first letter as well. So I'm going to take you back to chapter uh, 1, verse 1 of First Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you, and peace. And so in both letters, he says to them that whole saying of grace to you and peace. And you, you might be saying, well, yeah, Mark, he says that in most of his letters. And, and that's his intro. But here, let's look at this for a minute. Why would somebody in the midst of persecution and suffering need grace? The very fact is they need grace to be able to endure the trials that they're going through. Why do they need peace? Well, they need peace and they need the knowledge of peace for the very fact that that peace reminds them of their position. So because they have peace, they know that they are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that this suffering, as Paul calls in 1 Corinthians, he says, it is momentary light affliction for an eternal weight of glory. So the very fact is that they need grace to make it through, that grace to be able to pursue and persevere and endure, but they also need that peace which gives them the understanding that this is temporary, that this is just a part of being a Christian, living in the world, in the very fact that the furnace is turned up and it's going to be going away very soon and we will learn more about when that will go away. The very fact that as we learn when that go away, that's the part in which we need grace. All right, so now let's walk through uh, the remaining verses of the chapter, looking at the very fact 
of what Paul is going to tell us about this church, about what's happening to them, and how and why do Christians suffer. So that's the whole focus of what we're going through this week. So maybe you are sitting here and you are listening to this podcast right now, and maybe you are going through one of the most difficult trials in your life. Maybe you're going through something that uh, feels like it is so much pressure upon you. Well, let's look at what that is, why we suffer. And at the end of this podcast, I'm going to give you five ways in which we should respond in the midst of suffering and persecution. So here we go. Okay, so now look at verses 3 and 4. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each one of you toward one another grows even greater. Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecution and afflictions which you endure. All right, so now build the foundation of verses 3 and 4. What do we know? First, we know that the church continues to grow in their faith. So they're maturing in their faith. They're not hanging on to the elementary principles of the gospel. They continue to grow and enlarge their faith. That's a huge thing. Think about what they're going through. The fire has turned up. As the fire turns up, so the faith is growing in the reliance on Jesus Christ and the promises that come from his word. We also know that the love for one another is growing even more. And so what seems to be a great indicator, and, and I can attest to this in my own life, that as we get through into some real trials and persecution and suffering, that our faith and our reliance will grow greater on God. Now, wait for a second and understand that there is another response that can happen to those who suffer and are persecuted. The other response is flee and run. That is to completely walk away from the faith or, you know, to just give up because of the very fact that that water is too hot to get into. But here, as the fire turns up, as the water begins to boil, these people continue to grow in their faith. They continue to grow in their love for one another. So there seems to be an indication as well that suffering and persecution when brought on by a group of people together will bring unity. That they are coming together in the very fact that they are suffering and they are uh, compassionate and loving of one another. The very thing that's really great about this, and we talked about this in the overview as well, is that this church, as they were an example in 1 Thessalonians, they continue to be an example in the letter of 2 Thessalonians, in which Paul speaks proudly of them wherever he goes. And so I can only imagine and close my eyes and think about what Paul's saying. So he, folks, he maybe he's saying, Hey, suffering and persecution is going to come. Suffering and persecution will come because of the very fact that you are on Jesus' team. And because you are on Jesus' team and he was persecuted for his name, you will be persecuted and hated for, for being in his name. But let me tell you about this church. Let me tell you about this church I went to, that as I preached the gospel, they received the gospel, that an angry mob came up and put against us the very fact that we were upsetting the whole world with our teaching, and they tried to kill us. Well, that church is in the midst of that angry mob that continues to be so violent and so angry towards the gospel that they are thriving in it. And if they can thrive in it, you can thrive in it. Now, the Bible doesn't say that, but maybe that's what Paul is saying to these churches, that he is so thankful for the very fact that they continue to grow in their faith, they continue to grow in love for one another, that they are now the example that Paul uses in sermons in other locations that he goes to. 
we, we therefore we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. Do you notice he's, he's saying you guys are doing well, church. You are running well in the very fact that as the furnace has turned up, as the water begins to boil, you are enduring. You are not breaking. You are not falling backwards, but you are persevering, holding on to that steadfast hope in Jesus Christ as you run. So now let's uh, look um, really quickly at a couple of these words that uh, we want to get a better understanding. Uh, persecutions is uh, the Greek word diagmas, and it is a term which we should understand is an external pressure. One of the definitions I read is a systematic, uh, coordinated pressure from the outside for the purpose of harassment. So it's a planned, put-together thing with the purpose of a harassing a people group. Affliction is uh, the word philipsis, and it's a general term meaning a pressure. It's anything that burdens the spirit, and it means uh, also that in likeliness, it comes with actual physical pain and suffering. So if we put the two of them together, persecution and affliction, it's a systematic, organized attack to harass people in which it will cause pain. It's a pressing down from the outside. So this is very important for us to understand in the purpose of this letter. Uh, when I was in Bible college, I had the opportunity to write a 40-page paper and the 40-page paper was about why there is suffering in our lives. And here's what I wrote in the three points. The three points were this. One, that first, we suffer because of our sin. And I use the book of Jonah as the example. Disobedience brought about suffering in Jonah's life. And then when he, re when he repented, God relented and put Jonah up on the shore, and then Jonah went and he did what God had told him to do. But because he ran the other direction and because he was disobedient, he fell into suffering, which if you read Jonah chapter 2, it does not sound like a fun thing to be going through. He suffered because of his sin. Uh, also, suffering comes for the proving and the testing of our faith. This was the second reason in this paper. And I used the book of Job. You know, Job was described as a righteous man. What did he do? Nothing. But a conversation between the devil and God was that God said that, look, go ahead, test Job. He will not curse my name. And so the testing of the faith, that was the second reason. So the third thing that I wrote in that paper was that it was for God's glorification. But I used John chapter 11 in the death of Lazarus. Lazarus, who was sick, and Jesus knew about his sickness, and we know from the life of Jesus that he could have healed Lazarus from a distance. We saw that happen with others in the Gospels. He didn't. He allowed Lazarus to die. Lazarus died. He was in the tomb for three days. And then when Jesus went to the tomb, he saw all of the grieving that was happening, and he began to, to weep as well. And so what we know is that Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, and he came out of the tomb with the grave clothes on, and he was alive. Now, here's the very fact. All right. So what did Lazarus get out of this? All right. Lazarus didn't get much out of that whole experience. First and foremost. Okay. One. Yes, he was he rose from the dead. Two. He was going to die again. He was going to die that physical death again. However, the other thing that happened to him, if you look in John chapter 12, is the fact that 
Lazarus became number two on the Pharisees' hit list. Jesus was number one. Lazarus was number two because the Pharisees didn't want a, a dead guy who was brought back to life going around and telling everybody that Jesus brought him back to life. And so in all of that, what happened was the very fact that God was glorified in the fact that that miracle happened. And it was also showing what would soon happen later on. But here, again, going back, I'd put it together and I'd say that we suffer, okay? There's, pers- there's suffering that will come because of our sin. There's also persecution, a systematic, organized uh, point in the purpose of harassing, bringing about pain and suffering. That comes from the outside. This is not a result of our sin. This is an attack on Christianity. And the very fact is that it's an attack on Christianity because you have a group of people who are absolutely 100% pursuing the gospel of Jesus Christ and living out Matthew 28, 18 to 20. The very fact is they are living out their mission of populate heaven and plunder hell. And as they live out Jesus Christ and as they live out that mission in their life, they are seeing opposition. The opposition does not want them to further the kingdom of God. And so this is where this suffering, pain, and persecution its coming from. It's external. It's not brought on by anything that we have done within the matter of sin, but it has been brought on for the very fact that we are in pursuit of Jesus. So, now, one of the questions that I had as I've uh, led through the Bible studies and I, and I thought to myself is, what, what if you're not suffering? What if you're not being persecuted for the gospel? What if you're, you're out there and you're, you're living your life right now as a, as a Christian and, and you're not facing any pressure for the faith that you are living? Well, let me give you a couple, a couple thoughts on this. Is one, maybe you're not in full pursuit of Jesus Christ. Maybe you still have a foot in the world. Maybe fear is holding you back from pushing God's agenda in the world. There's no doubt that that could be the case. If you, and I've said it before, and I've said it in multiple podcasts, in the world of social media, if you are a person that will pursue God's agenda all out and make points on social media, if you will stand for the sanctity of marriage, if you will stand for the very fact that there is only two genders, if you will stand for the fact that all people should be equal, then and you put that out there, I'm guaranteeing you, you will face suffering and persecution from those who view in the liberal world that some definitions should be changed like gender and marriage and equality. Those are just three of the topics. From this very podcast, I will tell you that I have received emails that have said, stop beating the dead horse of the sanctity of marriage. The church has accepted the new definition of marriage, and so should you. Well, I don't know what church that these people are attending. But my church will never stand for a new definition of marriage. And neither will I. Because I hold to the truth of the gospel. So here we have it. This is what's going to happen. As you pursue Jesus, you will have external forces coming in that will bring on persecution and suffering. And this is what's happening in this church. Their faith is growing. Their, their love for one another is growing. They are pushing their agenda of populate heaven and plunder hell. And as they do that, the enemy is coming against them even greater. So now let's look at why there's a testing of the faith. Verse 5 says, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment. 
so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it is only just for God to replay, repay with affliction those who affect you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. All right, so now uh, we're going to walk through uh, just verse 5. Th- this podcast could be hours upon hours, but we'll attempt to, to, to not make that uh, be the case. Okay, so verse 5, uh, this is the plain indication of God's righteous judgment. Uh, this word judgment in uh, verse 5 can also be translated as decision. So, or this is God's decision, so that. So that is a term of conclusion. So we, this church, you and I, we go through suffering and persecution by God's decision for this purpose, so that we would be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. This is why you suffer as a Christian. This is why you face the external pressure. This is why you, ex- you face the organized, systematic harassment is so that as you go through the fire, you are tested to see if you have a genuine faith. This, this principle uh, follows through the scriptures uh, throughout uh, the New Testament. All right, so uh, the book of James. And, and James is uh, one of those passages that we uh, essentially quote whenever somebody is going through suffering. Uh, James, a bondservant of God, chapter 1, uh, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. You face suffering for what's the purpose? To test your faith, to produce endurance. What does endurance produce? It produces perfection, completeness in Jesus Christ. All right, uh, First Peter um, chapter 6, and uh, our First Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 6 to 9. And so here's what he says in uh, this, these verses. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Uh, verse 7, so that, term of conclusion, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I mean, this almost sounds word for word for what Paul is saying in Second Thessalonians. Uh, you will go through various trials because it's going to prove your faith that it's more precious than gold, and yet gold is perishable and your faith is not. And it's more precious than gold, and it's been tested by fire. So as it goes through the fire, you will come out stronger with endurance on the other end, but you'll also be resulted in the fact that there will be praise and glory that you have endured to the end when Jesus Christ returns. First uh, Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 12 to 19. And just listen to how this suffering is described. So what he says in verse 12 is he says, Beloved, do not be dis- surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ. Uh, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice in exultation. If you were reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of God, of glory and of God, rests on you. 
Make sure none of you suffer as murderers or thieves or evildoers or troublesome meddlers. Remember my paper that suffering comes because of sin. But this suffering here, he's, he's saying don't suffer because of your sin. Suffer because of your faith. So, but if anyone suffers as Christ, he is not to be ashamed. But it is to glorify God in the name. For it is the time of judgment to begin with the household of God, and it begins with us first. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? If it is the difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right." Ultimately, what we're learning here is that we suffer and we're persecuted and we go through these things because it's a testing of our faith. It is so proving that our faith is genuine, that when we come through the fire and we endure through it all, the result of all of this will be salvation. It will all be, as Paul describes in 2 Thessalonians, the very fact that relief is coming. So we will face this suffering and persecution, but relief is coming. And at the end of that relief, it is salvation for those who endure and suffer according to the will of God. This is why we are need to be people who look forward, that we set our minds, as Colossians says, on the things above. Focus on Jesus, because as we focus on him, we will endure and be able to handle the suffering and the persecution. All right, 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 10. It tells us that after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So all of this suffering and persecution makes us worthy of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the persecuted because your reward is in heaven. So you see, the thing is, we are going to face it. And if we're not facing it right now, if you're not facing persecution and suffering for your faith, you have to ask yourself is, what am I not doing? You see, I have a friend who asked that very question. They said, why are we, they just went through the Sermon on the Mount with precept, and they said, we're not suffering for the gospel. Why are we not suffering for the gospel? Not two days later, they made a statement in standing up for the sanctity of marriage, and they faced an eternal fire. They faced fire that was coming from them, from the world, was pressuring them. How can you be such a bigot? How can you be a person that you are a Christian and not love everybody? Everybody has the right... The, the messages that were coming were so hate-filled. Death messages that were coming. You know, death threats and all of that. Uh, destruction and attempt to destroy businesses and reputations of all people because they were standing on the truth. So there is opportunities for us to, one, live that peaceful life and not get into crazy arguments and things. And, you know, Paul tells us in Timothy, don't get caught in all those you know, genealogies and stuff like that. But we need to stand for truth and we need to be in a place where we're ready to take on that suffering and persecution. And maybe we're not being vocal enough in what we believe in the truth of God. Maybe we're still living in the world and we like living in the world. And yet, so we're not fully in pursuit of Jesus. That doesn't bring about suffering. But I guarantee you, if you want to strengthen your faith, if you want to grow and learn endurance and perseverance, then you need to step into that hot water and you need to begin to preach the gospel to those who desperately need to hear it most. And I guarantee that when you begin to pursue Jesus in that way, you will face suffering and persecution for the kingdom. And that when you endure it, you will so prove how worthy you are to be in the kingdom of God. This is a part of the Christian life. For those who have heard the gospel that said the gospel, when you believe in Jesus, that everything is going to be fine. Everything's going to be perfect. There is going to be no problems. There's going to be no issues. There's, 
you know, you're going to have your best life now. You, you know who says those things, those televangelists that want you to, to have this superficial relationship with Jesus. But here Jesus tells us, he tells us in the book of Matthew, he tells us what life is going to be like when we are in uh, pursuit of him. He tells us what it will be like for those who are followers of him. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 16 to 25. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say in that given time for that hour uh, or what you are to say. For it is not you who speaks, but it is the spirit, your father, who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death. Father is child and children will rise up against Uh, Verse 22, this is the one, this is the kicker. Are you ready? Uh, You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who is endured to the end that will be saved. The very fact that as we pursue Jesus and we stand for truth, we will be hated because he was hated first. Write this uh, passage down, John chapter uh, 16 verse 33 and and let's look at this one as well but this one should be in your uh, scriptures listen to John chapter 16 verse 33 these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take courage I have come to uh, I have overcome the world second Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 all those who believe Desire and desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. First uh, Peter chapter five nine believers will be persecuted. Hebrews chapter five verses seven to nine. Uh, as he learned obedience in the world while on earth he suffered. So uh, so do those who will follow him. So all of this we know that we are going to suffer. We are going to suffer as believers when we stand out and we stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is as 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 tells us that this suffering and the persecution that comes from the outside and we endure it so proves the worthiness of our faith. It will, cons- it will show us that we are considered worthy of the kingdom of God. Verse 6 says, For all, uh, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. So here, uh, looking back, and we are seeing that Um, those who bring on suffering, those who bring on persecution, they too will face a judgment. They will face a judgment for their behavior. Now listen to how these people are described. God is going to deal out retribution to these people in verse 8 because they are people that don't know God and they do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their penalty is that they will receive destruction that is eternal. This this judgment that will come is an eternal destruction, as verse 9 says. It's away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Complete separation for eternity from God. Now listen to the believers. For those who endure that it so prove their worth in the kingdom of God, listen how it describes them in verse 10. He says that when Jesus comes uh, to be glorified in his saints on that day, the day of the Lord, that when he comes on that day um, and to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you, was believed. So what will the believers marvel at? What will they be in awe of when Jesus returns? They will be in awe of the glory and the power that they will see in Jesus Christ. They will marvel in the glory of God and seeing God in their presence. This is absolutely amazing stuff. 
So those who persecute, those wolves, as Matthew 10 talks about, those people who will bring us before courts, they will scourge us, they will beat us, those, those people within our own families that will become enemies to us for the very fact that we are in full-on pursuit of Jesus Christ, that we do not stand for what they stand on, we will become enemies in that very fact because we want to stand for the truth. Sadly, they will face any, an, a judgment and a decision time, just like we will. Our decision time so proves our faith. Their decision time leads to eternal destruction. And so uh, as we um, walk through these final verses, uh, we want to look at the very fact that as we know through scriptures, through and through, that Jesus repeats more than once, he repeats in John and in Matthew, that we will be hated because of his name. And those who hate us want to persecute us. Those who hate us want to see us suffer. You know, in the midst of uh, the COVID-19 thing that's going on, and as churches are opening up, I cannot help but think in the back of my mind, what is the world waiting for? Is the world waiting for the outbreak to happen in a church so that the world can say, see, I told you. I told you that churches shouldn't be meeting. You are the super spreaders because you are in your buildings and you're singing and you're gathering and you're not social distanced. And, and, and this is why churches need to shut down. Are people waiting for that? Are, are people watching to see uh, the Christian fall to say, look, this is the hypocrisy that is in the world. They tell you to do one thing, but they don't do another. That's the very attack when you stand for the truth on marriage. You're a hypocrite because your Bible says love, but you're not loving everyone. So suffering and persecution will come. But God promises, God promises that those who afflict us, that he will take care of them. And that should be, bring peace and, and, you know, wisdom for us to know that we don't have to worry about that. Our sole job is populate heaven and plunder hell. Our sole, jo sole job is to make sure that we are worthy of the kingdom of God. So if that's what we are to do, let's not worry about the pressures that come in from around us. God will take care of those people. We just need to pursue him and glorify him in it. Now, let's look at the final two verses, and then I want to give you uh, those five things about how we can respond in the midst of trial. Verse 11 says, To this end, we, also, we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and, to, and the work of faith and power. So Paul, Paul is saying to this end, in conclusion, look, suffering is the reality for a Christian. Uh, I, I've compared it to, to many people and said, look, uh, suffering for a persecution is like Christmas. You can expect to, it to come around. Christmas comes every year. The date never changes, and we know when it's coming. I've already seen people on social media telling me a countdown to when Christmas is. Please stop. It's still nice outside. But here's the fact. Christmas comes every year. We know that. We know that Christmas is going to come. Peter tells us, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal. It's going to happen. It's going to come. Be ready for it. Be looking for it. Celebrate it. Find joy in it. Because you know that as you come through it, what it's producing within you, it's producing a stronger faith. It's producing endurance. It's producing perseverance. It's helping you keep your eye and your hope on Jesus. And that when you come through that, you will be stronger. And this is the prayer that Paul has that through the suffering that you continue to go through as you pursue Jesus, that you will be considered worthy of your calling. That you will come out on the other end so proving your faith is genuine. 
I cannot tell you how many times that I have walked through, and even in my own life, as I was facing suffering and persecution, that uh, a number of years ago, I determined to just completely walk away from the faith because the heat was too hot. But as I came through that trial and that, that difficulty, man, my faith was stronger. Man, I came through that and I said, nothing will rock me. And I have been in pursuit of Jesus. Look, there, there, I am not a perfect person. There are many things that can continue to be worked on in my life. But the very fact is I have determined not to be rocked by the outside. I have determined to pursue Jesus at all costs. And when that rocking comes from the outside, I bury my face in Scripture and remember the promises of God. And that's what Paul wants for these people. You're in the midst of it. You're suffering. You're being persecuted. You're growing in your faith. You're growing in your love for one another. And my prayer from a distance for you is that as you come through this, that your faith would be proven and you'd be considered worthy of your calling. There's a so that in verse 12. The so that in verse 12 is absolutely amazing and should be our focus. Uh, that you would be considered worthy of your calling so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you, in him, according to the grace of God and our Father, Jesus Christ. The very fact is that his prayer is that believers would glorify Jesus in how they respond in the midst of persecution and suffering. How do we glorify Jesus? We prove our faith is genuine. Well, the question is, how are you doing with that? How are you dealing with the suffering and persecution you are facing? Five ways in which we can respond well in the midst of persecution and suffering. Are you ready? Here they come. Number one, uh, what should we do in the midst of trials? Number one is this. Thank God for salvation. Continue to remember that he is with us. He promises to never leave our side because we have the privilege of being called a child of God. We have been saved. This is momentary light affliction for an eternal weight of glory. So continually thank Jesus for the work that he's done on the cross. Number two, surrender. In the midst of persecution and suffering from the outside, surrender to the will of God, knowing that this difficulty is proving and testing your faith. Now, here's the, here's the kicker. I left this part out. I wanted you to start writing and, and get down the fact that I need to surrender to God's will and that this is proving and testing of my faith. But here's the real part of it, all right? Make sure you don't forget to write this down. Do it without complaining. Be thankful for the persecution that you're going through because what it's producing in you. As you surrender, do it without complaining. Easier said than done, right? Number three, ask God and pray to God to give you wisdom and understanding of his will. Father, why am I facing this suffering and persecution? What am I doing to have this brought on? And how do I respond in a way that brings glory and honor to you? Have you ever asked yourself what God is teaching you when you go through those difficulties? It's a good time to start doing that. Number four. Watch for opportunities to witness and glorify God in the midst of the trial. 
Look for opportunities to share what God is doing in your life, sharing the gospel with others, but also for ways in which you can glorify God in your response to the trial. Number five, this is the hardest one of all, and this is why I've left it to the end. Wait. In the midst of the heat, in the midst of the fiery ordeal, in the midst of all the hot water that's coming upon you from the outside, wait. Wait until God's purpose has been fulfilled. Do you notice at the end of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that a part of Paul's prayer is not that they would be removed from the persecution and the suffering. He's just called them to be able to endure it and to persevere, to be considered worthy of their calling. So we wait, we sit in it, we deal with it, we persevere through it until God has completed his purpose for us. And then when we come out of it, we can go back to number one. We can thank God that we are saved, that we have endured, that we have made it through that persecution. That when we've made it through and we've responded well, we've so proved our faith. This is the whole summary of why Christians suffer. Christians suffer because it's God's decision and our response is to so prove our faith. Father, we do thank you for all that you have been showing us in your word. Lord, I pray for each and every person listening to the text and the, and the podcast that, that uh, as you've spoken uh, today, that uh, these truths would sink in, that those who are in the midst of a trial, that they would look at these five ways and how to respond in the midst of trial and apply. Apply, apply, apply. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you. Give us a biblical worldview, a, a biblical, uh, keep us looking through that biblical lens. Help us to set our minds on you, knowing that all of these things are momentary light affliction, but they are producing an eternal weight of glory. Father, help us to remember that relief is coming, and it's coming at the return of Jesus. How long are we going to suffer, Lord? We are going to suffer until you return. So help us to do it well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Preset Ministries, head to our website at www.presetministries.ca.